church say amen. amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me back to John chapter number 5. Lord's willing, we're going to try to finish this up tonight. John chapter number 5. How many of y'all remember to bring your outline back? Oh, Lord. How many of y'all forgot to bring your outline back? Well, y'all either did or didn't. One of y'all were lying. Amen. All right. If you need an outline, I printed off 300 more because I figured you'd forget like I did. If you're anything like your preacher, I wouldn't ever remember because it was two weeks ago. And if it's past two days ago, I usually don't remember. So we, we printed off a brand new outline. It's the same outline, but it's got the blanks, and we're going to go through it quickly uh, and jump. We're going to try to finish the third point. That's where we stopped at. And, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, and we're going to try to finish that up tonight. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? How many of y'all are glad to be free? Amen. All right. John chapter 5. Let's, let's begin. Uh, let's see. Let's begin in verse 16. Uh, let's begin in verse 16 and we'll read and then come back to it, okay? It says in verse 16, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the... But Jesus did what? He answered them. How many of y'all are glad he always got an answer? He said, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself, say it with me, equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son of, uh, quickeneth whom he will. I mean, the word quickened means made alive, by the way. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. I tell you what, that right there curled their hair. You can believe, you can believe when he was talking to the Pharisees and the hypocrites, when he said, you should honor me like you honor God, that it broke them down. Are y'all with me? And this is what this whole chapter is about, okay? He says, even as they honor the Father, he that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, you remember when you hear these two words, he's saying, I'm fixing to tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Verily, verily. I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority. Say that word with me. Given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. 
if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now what that means, he's saying if, if all you see or all you hear is what I say, then you can discount what I say. In other words, it's just my word against yours. But there's more to it than that, he says. Verse 32, there is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the, Lord, just the opportunity to be here tonight and to share your word with your people. Lord, it's a good crowd on us this summer night, and I pray that, Lord, that we can just grow and learn and, and just find something tonight that, that is an, a blessing to us and an encouragement. Lord, this is a pivotal chapter in the book of John, and I pray that you will help us to discern it, understand it, divide it rightly, and apply it to our lives. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. I have been given instructions uh, to stay in the square because one of our cameras is broke, so we have to use the one that's straight on. And I'm going to tell you, God's not in that on a Wednesday night. Say amen. <laughs> it's one thing to have to do it on Sunday, but not on Wednesday. Amen. So here, here, and that's going to mess up everything, because I, I had plans to, to use some illustrations. But anyway, here, here's, what we, here's what we want to do. I, if you were not here two weeks ago or, or the week before that, we've been studying a story, a miracle here in the, in the book of John in chapter number 5 of a man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda. And, and, and to, to, to go back as a review, let's, let's make sure we understand some things this morning, okay? Or today. See, I'm already saying this morning, say it in the square, amen? Uh, we, know, we know that the book of John is written specifically. How many of y'all know there were tons and tons and tons and tons of miracles that Jesus did? Say amen. It said if the books of this world, the books of this world could not contain all the things that he did, all the miracles that he did, all the, uh, the healings that he performed, all the things that was just incredible that Jesus did. But he said these things are written in John chapter number 20. These things are written, these signs, many signs, these signs were written that ye may know him as the Son of God and believing on him you might have life through his name. Say amen right there. So, I, John specifically wrote the ones he did. Now, the word sign, remember this, the word sign here means there's a message in the miracle. And we use the terminology this, that the message or the miracle is bringing a message or the message is more important than the miracle. 
Every single one. Uh, John recorded this. Most of them recorded the feeding of the 5,000, but John recorded the, the sermon about the bread of life after the feeding of the 5,000. Listen, it was important that people got fed. It was important that they seen the power of God. It, all that was important, but what was most important is that they know that he was the bread of life. He was the author of salvation. Amen? So here in chapter 5, we're going to learn that there is an important message behind this great miracle. Does that make sense? Say amen. Now, what is the message? <clears throat> what is the message? I told somebody this week about what kind of what we're studying this week, and I said, we're going to learn why Jesus picked the fight. You say, what do you mean Jesus picked the fight? Jesus picked the fight. You say, well, I don't think Jesus would do that. Do you think Jesus would turn over tables in the temple and make a whip and run everybody out? Jesus picked a fight. He came for a purpose. He came for a cause. One of, the, one of the purposes that he came, he was being interrogated before his crucifixion. And, 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 and listen, he's saying, are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to, are you going to, are, are you going to, what, what, what's your, he wouldn't say nothing. And he said, listen, when he did finally say something, he said, to this end was I born. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world. You know what he was saying? Listen, I'm not afraid of the crucifixion. I'm not afraid of Calvary because that is why I came. I came for the Calvary. I came for the cross. John said it, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So uh, this is, this, I, I, let's just say, let's just say, I know you can't see this on the internet, but let's just say that stand right there is the Calvary, is the cross. From the time Jesus was born over there and he's coming this away, everything in his life pointed to Calvary. Everything pointed to the cross. Everything he did was to get himself to the cross. Yes, he healed blinded eyes. Yes, he healed lame legs. Yes, he walked on the water. Yes, he raised the dead. Yes, he did all of these things, but his primary purpose was to be the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Y'all with me? So everything he did was strategic, and that was one of our points. So let's do the let's do the the, the review. Let's do the review, and and then we'll come back. Okay, look what it says. Uh, first, we see if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, and you wasn't here last week, you got some things to write. Amen. The the thing in this story, we find suffering humanity. Three things. Write this. Write these things down, and I'll just briefly go over. Okay. We find their condition, their condition, their ambition, their ambition. And their disposition. What is their condition? They're broke. You have five porches in this area, two pools here, uh, five porches around, and in these porches lay broken people. They were helpless. They were impotent, it says. The word impotent means powerless. And here they are, all spread out here because they had an ambition. They had an ambition. They knew that there's an angel that came at a certain time and would trouble the water, and the first person in would be healed of their disease. So we know that even though they were broken, they were ambitious to the fact that they wanted to get help. Now, how many of y'all know there's a lot of broken people in this world? A lot of broken people. A lot of hurting people. A lot of people in pain in their life. But they want to get better. There are, I know there's some that don't and there's some that, that won't help their own selves. I, I get all of that. But the majority of people in the world that we live in, in the culture that we live in, they want help. 
and they want to get better, and they want better for themselves. So this is a real, a real clear picture of humanity. Their disposition in many cases, in many cases is, you say, where do you get that? When Jesus asked this man, wilt thou be made whole? First thing he did is start making excuses. You know what people are doing in this world? People that are hurting, people that are broken, people that are needy, people that are lost. Listen, they want to get better, but when you encourage them, they make excuses. I have no man to help me in the pool. I have no man to get me where I, I need to get. And listen, Jesus looked past all of that. How many of y'all are glad Jesus looked past your imperfections? He'll look past your faults and he'll look past your excuses and he'll, oh, say amen right there. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. So we find broken humanity. We find there's people with needs. Then we see, we see the sinner's healing. The sinner's healing. And this is what I was getting to a while ago. Two things write down. Write these things down and I'll talk about it. It was sympathetic. It was merciful. And I tell you what, I tell you what, the more I studied it, even reading today and, and going over it again, I, I see even more how strategic it was. It was the mercy of God. The Bible says Jesus saw this man lying in this state and he knew 38 years. Jesus was in his omniscience. He knew this guy has been sick a long time, so he had mercy on him. It was, it was sympathetic, but it was very strategic. It was very strategic. Now think about this. <clears throat> think about this. You remember, you remember what we said, that Jesus was very purposeful behind everything he did, behind everywhere he went. He said, I always do the will of my Father that sent me, right? So everything he did had a purpose. Everything he did was according to plan. It, it, was, it was very lined out. It was very organized. It was very planned. Do you, how many, what, what did the Bible say about the sick folk around, around these porches? There was a bunch of them. Y'all with me? There was a bunch of them. So why this guy? I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure that this guy was not the only guy that had been sick that long. I'm pretty sure, I mean, he may have been the sick the longest, but I'm pretty sure there was other people around there. That there was other people who were sick a long time too. So I don't think the reasoning, I don't think the reasoning was specifically because Jesus felt sorry for the guy for being sick so long. I believe it was more, even more strategic than that. Now, now this, is, this is Malcolm's theology, so don't write this down and think this is the gospel and say, yes, this is exactly what it was. I, this is just me thinking, okay? Uh, usually I don't do that, but I, I don't think this is going to cause no damage right here for me to say what I think about this verse. But I believe Jesus knew that this guy was going to run back and tell on him. Do y'all remember, remember the blind guy? Y'all remember the blind guy that we read about the last, last week we were here? Not, not last week, but the week before. You remember there was a guy that was blind that Jesus healed? And, and, and they, they interrogated him. They said, what are you doing? How, how are you healed? They even drug his parents in and interrogated them. They said, listen, man, this guy's of age. Y'all remember this. this. This comes up in the next point. And he said, all I know is I, I was blind and now I see. And this man, Jesus, said, well, he's of the devil. He said, that's awful funny. He might be of the devil, but, you know, here I can see, and you don't know how that happened, so, mm hmm Right? In other words, he was defending Jesus. 
But this guy, this guy, instead of, instead of doing right, instead of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he turns around because of the intimidation of the Pharisees and he goes back to try to get in good graces because if you remember, he's carrying his bed. You remember? Watch this. Look at the next. Look at the next. We see that not only the suffering humanity, the sinner's healing, but we see the self-righteous hypocrites. They stop this guy. Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the guy has power in his legs. He's healed of his infirmity. He can walk. He can move his knee. He can move his legs. Man, he's all excited. Now he says, take up your bed and walk. So he picks up his bed, and here he goes. Well, y'all know they had religious police. They had, they had people to, to follow around, make sure everybody kept the law and followed the law. And this was on the Sabbath day. You remember? That's, that's significant. It's on purpose. I believe Jesus healed this man specifically on purpose, and he did it that day on purpose. Are y'all with me? And I'm going somewhere, I promise you. There's such a message in the last point, it'll be all right, just, just bear with me. On purpose, this guy, on purpose this day, because he knew, they said, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, why are you carrying your bed? It's not lawful for you to do that. Now, why couldn't they say, dude, you're walking. Why, why couldn't they just said, man, that is, that is unbelievable. How'd that happen? They were more concerned about their tradition that was broke than they were the condition of this man that was healed. Y'all with me? How about this? How about this? It just, it just comes to my mind. How many of y'all remember the church in the church in Jerusalem? The church in Jerusalem when when they, went to the, when they went to the Gentiles, you know, God sent Peter to the Gentiles. Cornelius and all of them get saved. And, and, and God touches them like crazy, and, and it's a blessing. Their whole household gets saved. And, man, it's wonderful. People are just getting saved. Gentiles are getting saved like crazy. And guess what happens back home? It says when they heard about it, instead of saying, Woo! Man, they're getting saved. You know what they said? What are you doing hanging out with Gentiles? Isn't that sad? And you know what? It's not much different today. People can't, people can't rejoice in the fact that God is moving and God is touching and people are getting saved in areas, even if it's a little different than what they are used to or prefer. People care more about their traditions than they do anyway. Anyway, y'all with me? Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. So here in his strategy, he heals this guy on this day because he knows, he knows what's going to happen. They, they stop him. <clears throat> I didn't give you those points, did I? Here, write this down. If you're if you finishing out, y'all got, I, I, I'm just getting carried away. Self-righteous hypocrites. Two things we see from them. A, their accusation, their accusation, and their intimidation. Their accusation and their intimidation. And that's where we read John 9. John 9 is the story of the blind man. They're intimidating these people. Uh, this is, now this is why I, I was looking in the, I was looking in the, you, you remember I told you they had the, the Mishnah and the Torah. The Torah was the, the law that God gave. The Mishnah was the one they made up to help the Torah. You know, because God's rules are not enough. 
we got to make some up to help us follow God's rules. So that's what the missioner was. I was reading some of that today. I was reading the 39 different categories of things that you can't do on the Sabbath days. 30, now look, did you hear what I said? I didn't say 39 rules. I said 39 categories of things you can't do. And you know what God said? Rest. God said rest. Man said we need to help him with this. So we make our 39 categories of stuff all in. And I was just reading it and going over it and going over it and going over it. And I was like, good night. You know what it reminded me of? Our tax forms. (laughs) Now think about this. We have to hire somebody to understand, to help us follow a law. And so, does this make sense now when Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are... You know what he was talking about? He wasn't talking about the sacks of corn they was carrying. He was talking about the burden of the tradition and the laws that the Pharisees had come up with. And the people were so burdened down by it. And you know what? After reading what I read today, I understand. Y'all with me? Because the Pharisees and, 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 and the religious hypocrites had added so much. And what had begun to take place is their reliance was more on the Mishnah than the Torah. In other words, the Mishnah took more precedence and, and, and took more honor than God's Word. That's why he said, by your traditions, you've made the Word of God of none effect. Jesus always attack this y'all with me and so here we find here we find the accusation you're doing this wrong not not hey you're healed man that's great no you're doing it wrong who do, who told you to do this i mean i don't know who told me to do this all i know is whoever told me to get up he healed me and and i and told me to carry my bed and that's all i i don't know who i don't know what his name is and jesus goes and finds him and Je- you know jesus didn't have to do that jesus could have saved his own skin and just got out of dodge but he was picking a fight he was picking a fight not only was he doing that but he was setting a stage and not only was he setting a stage He also had mercy on this individual person. And he comes to him and he says, look, look, you're whole now, physically. He says, go and sin no more. Apparently, I've read some commentaries that believe the insinuation by that comment was that that his sin before had led him into this physical problem that he had. And Jesus is saying, you're physically whole now, but you better keep your act straight because hell is a whole lot worse than being crippled by this pool. Are y'all with me? Now watch what happens. As soon as Jesus told who he was and and revealed this to this guy in the temple, the first thing he does is run back to the Pharisees and runs back to the Jews. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was that man Jesus. Jesus done it. Why is he doing that? To get back in good graces. Because see, in that day, 
they made this, they made it a, another rule that if you believed in this man Jesus, you'd get kicked out. That's what they threatened. Matter of fact, they did kick the man that was born blind out. That's why his parents were so afraid. They come and interrogated the parents and said, hey, is this your son? Yeah, that's our son, but he's supposed to have been born blind. Yeah, he was born blind. Well, how's he? I don't know how he can see. He's of age. What were they doing? They were afraid because the intimidation of the religious Pharisees. Does this make sense? Say amen. All right? So because of that intimidation, this man, instead of believing in the true salvation, believing in the true Christ, he went back to a false religion. What's, what can we take from that? We can take this, that tradition and false religion is very powerful. Very powerful. All right, now, now, we've set the stage. Jesus heals this guy. He does it when? On the Sabbath day, okay? He does it on purpose on the Sabbath day. Okay, let me, let me, let's, let's look at something real quick. Before we jump into the last point, let's look at something. Let's go back to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, he establishes that he is Lord of creation. He is Lord of creation. You remember? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Somebody say Amen. Later on in that same chapter, he says, and, and we beheld, and the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Are you all with me? So we know he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of creation. Are you all with me? Secondly, chapter, in John chapter number 2, in John chapter number 1, we find he's Lord of creation. In John chapter number 2, this is in my notes. You're not going to have this, all right? He's Lord over the temple. He's Lord over the temple. It's when he goes into the temple. And, and listen, what, 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 what right? What right does he have to go in there and run everybody out? Why was he able to do that? He was showing himself Lord of the temple. He ran them out, said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So chapter one, he's Lord of creation. Chapter two, he's Lord of the temple. And then chapter, or chapter three, we see that he is Lord over salvation. This is when, when Nicodemus comes to him and he begins to share. He begins to share. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He shares with him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, who? In the son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He that believeth not, or he that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of the temple. He's the Lord of salvation. In chapter number 4, chapter number 4, we find he is Lord over disease. We see he heals a man. He heals a man of his sickness. Not even there, but at a distance. He's Lord of disease. Now, chapter 5 is a setup. It is, it is, it is uh, uh, one, one Bible, Bible theologian I've been reading behind one said that he believes John chapter number 5 is the holy of holies. It's the pinnacle of the book of John. Because it is Jesus' response to their accusations. You know what? Most of my life, <clears throat> most of my life, when I hear men preaching on John chapter 5, you know what I hear? 
the pool of Bethesda. When you hear somebody teaching on it, you know what you hear? Usually the pool of Bethesda. This miracle. Hey, God has power over disease. But you know what? There's a lot of diseased people he fixed. There was a lot of broken people that he healed. And you know what? The significant part of John 5 is not necessarily the pool of Bethesda. It is just a player in the game. But most people totally miss it. They totally think it's all about the miracle. It's all about this guy who was broke for 38 years. And, and man, we'll shout about it. And I have. I can't, I can't just say, you know, I, I've done the same thing. 38 years and Jesus healed him, aren't you? You know, and, and all that was was to set up for what Jesus was trying to do in the beginning. You say, well, preacher, hurry up and tell us. Amen. <laughs> I'm setting the table. Amen. Now watch. All these verses we've just read, everything we see. Now, is everybody on the same page so far? Got a guy, 38 years, Jesus passes by. I don't believe it's a random act. I don't believe with all my heart. I still believe it was in mercy. I still believe Jesus had compassion on him, and I believe Jesus wanted this man to be whole because he loved this guy. Are y'all with me? But I believe he knew this guy. I believe he knew his heart. And I believe he knew what he would do when he found out who it was that healed him. I truly believe that. My, that's my personal opinion on that deal. And usually I don't give them here, but here I'm just stating that I think that's why Jesus did with this particular guy. Okay? He goes back to the, he goes back to the Jews. And you remember, if you're, if you're new to Bible study, when we talk about this in, in the book of John, the Jews, are, it's always in reference to the leadership, to the, to the religious leaders of Israel, okay? They hear it. They hear it. So it was Jesus. Now, you got to understand, you got to understand, this man has been stirring up trouble. When I say this man, I'm talking about the man Jesus. He's been stirring up trouble ever since he came on the scene. He kicked off his ministry by turning the temple upside down, going in, and everything he did was poking and attacking the religious establishment. The false, and I'll, I'll go as far as to say this, the false demonic religious system that man had turned Judaism into. Supposedly going, suppose, think about this, supposedly going to the temple to worship God and be in the presence of God, and the presence of God comes by you on the outside. This is toward the end of his ministry, and they're crying Hosanna, and they come out of church and said, hey, make these people hush. What does that say? They didn't even know who God was. And he says that at the end of this chapter in chapter 5. But from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's constantly poking. He's constantly picking. He's attacking the religious system. And listen, Jesus becomes a threat to their way of life. With that said, let's jump into it. Look in verse number... Look in, let me, let me, oh, 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 back up. Look in verse number 15. <clears throat> Verse number 15. Are you there? Say amen. All right. Look what it says. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now watch. Now watch. And therefore 
did the Jews persecute Jesus. Now that word persecute, if you will study the verb and the verbiage there, it means constantly. In other words, in other words, they didn't just start this, they have been doing this. His whole ministry, they were persecuting him and attacking him and, and accusing him. And they, they've called him illegitimate. They've called him Beelzebub. They say, you do what you do by the power of Satan. I mean, it's constant, just a constant persecution. Now watch. It says, and sought to, come on everybody, and sought to slay him. And how, how holy is that? I mean, they got such a hatred for Jesus. They want to kill him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now watch, now watch, here's, here's, here's the message right here. This is where it starts to get good. But, what happened? Come on. Come on. Watch this. You know what he could have done? You know what he could have done? He could have said, come on, fellas. This guy's walking. I mean, isn't it a good thing to do on the Sabbath? Isn't it okay to do something good on the Sabbath? I mean, if, I mean, if our ox is in the ditch and, and, and it's okay to get our ox out of the ditch on the Sabbath, isn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't you think it'd be okay? I mean, it's not like this guy's selling beds. You know, he's not carrying it to the market to sell. He just, he just. You say, why are you saying all that? Because it's significant. His answer to them is significant because his answer to them gives us the answer of why he did what he did. The answer that he responded to them tells us why he did it on the Sabbath day, tells us why he picked this guy who was going to go back and tell on him. How many of y'all believe Jesus was omniscient? If you don't know what that means, it means he knows stuff. He knows stuff before it happens. Are, are y'all with me? How many of y'all knew he was that he knew this guy was gonna go tell on him? So that's why I picked him. Y'all with me? Now the answer that we get in the next few verses is gonna tell us why Jesus did what he did. Because all that he did from the first verse of chapter five, chapter one, or verse one of chapter five, up until this point, was what he was doing was building him a platform. Everything he did was building a platform so he could stand and deliver a message. You see, it wasn't about the miracle at all. The miracle gave him an opportunity to give them a I bet you won't know what the message is. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Look, uh, write this down in your notes and then we'll talk about it. <clears> hey, <throat> hey, did I give you the, the, the thir number three? Or, just, or what's, the, what's the blank? Four. Number four. Is that where we're at, four? Yeah. Okay. Is, what, what's the blank? Is, is the four or in the subs? Okay. <laughs> Sermon. 
sermon had to start with an S. You know I don't like to use that word sermon. But to alliterate it, basically the message he, he, he delivered, right? The sermon. Everything he did was to set up so he could give them a message. He could give them a message. Write this down. Don't you see the deity that's revealed? I think that's the word I've got. Whatever. <laughs> Declared. Y'all just, you know. Here, here's the message. Here's the message, and, and we'll go into it. All right, all right. Look in verse number, look in verse number 18. <clears throat> Actually, verse 17. But Jesus, what? Answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, here it is, making himself equal with This is where Jesus stands up on the platform in front of all the world and declares, I am God. Say, why is that significant? If we go back to chapter 3. If we go back to chapter 3. Do y'all remember what Nicodemus said to him? You remember when Nicodemus came to him in the night? Nicodemus saw all the miracles that he was doing, all the things that he'd accomplished, all this stuff. And Nicodemus said, hey, man, we know. Watch this now. Watch the terminology. Watch what, how he says it. We know that thou art a teacher come from, come from God. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest unless God be with him. You say, what's the, what's the deal? What's the difference? Oh, there's a big difference. There's a difference between having God with you and you being God. And there is a difference. Are y'all with me? They didn't mind prophets. They didn't mind, they didn't mind spiritual people. They didn't mind holy people. They kind of like, they kind of like John Baptist. Even if John Baptist called him a bunch of vipers, they still liked him. Because Jesus said in there, he said, you were, you were tickled with John. It says in this chapter, chapter number five. They didn't mind people like that. But when you go to claiming that you're God, and see, this is why it's called the Holy of Holies, the pinnacle of the book. This is where Jesus steps forward. Because listen, nobody, nobody claims to be God unless they're a nutcase. And he is either crazy or he's God. And you say, why is this significant? Ladies and gentlemen, if you mess this up, if you miss this one in your life, if Jesus is not in the right place in your life, if you don't get Jesus right, you don't get none of it right. Why do you think Jesus said to the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Come back, you know. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. You know, some say you're a prophet. Some say, he said, but who do you say that I am? 
Because what you think of him drastically determines your eternal destiny. Because if Jesus is not God to you, you cannot be saved. And he steps forward and he pronounces on the pulpit that he provided himself and said, I am God. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a healer. I've done all of them things. I teach with authority. I show great ability. Oh, but I am God. Listen, this is critical. This is important. I wrote three things, and you ought to write this down. I wrote three things out beside in my notes, you know, just in, just my own notes on my notes. Uh, three things that Jesus had there. One was authority. One was authority. You remember, you remember when, when, when they said, this man teaches as one with authority. When, when they sent, you remember when they sent the, 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 the soldiers, the guard, the, the ones, the, 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 the temple guard to get him and bring him back? And they said, did you bring him back? Uh-uh. Well, why didn't you bring him back? Uh, ain't never a man spake like this man. He had authority. Not only did he have authority, he had ability. He stands, he stands. On, on the bow of a ship, a boat, in a great storm, and says, peace, be still. And this is what he said. What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. And then his activity, his ability, his authority, his activity, everything he did. Y'all remember in Mark chapter 2? Y'all remember in Mark chapter 2? When, when he was in the, in the house, and when his noise abroad that Jesus was in the house, there were so many gathered together, they couldn't even get him in the door, so they go up to the top, tear the roof out, and they lowered a guy. And he didn't just heal him, he didn't just say, get up. He said, your sins are forgiven. Only God can do that. Right. Is it starting to clear up now? Is it starting to come together what Jesus was doing in his life? Everything was strategic. Everything was pointing to Calvary. I'm God. His message to the people, the reason he did it on the Sabbath, because he wanted them to know, hey, I'm Lord of the Sabbath too. I don't have enough time to do this. But I'm going to just give you like a brief tidbit. The words that he used in verse, let's see, verse 17. <clears throat> but Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. That was a jab. If you know a little bit about your Jewish history and, and, and Jewish tradition and their beliefs, one of, the, one of the prevailing arguments was, does God keep the law? Does God keep the law? I know that sounds ridiculous, because it is ridiculous. 
They, they tried to justify God working on the Sabbath. How many of y'all know God keeps the sun burning? How many of y'all know God keeps the rain falling? And the wind blowing? And the earth spinning it just right? How many of y'all know God pumps enough oxygen here so we can breathe? How many of y'all know God is always working? And neither is he weary. Well, the scribes got together and come up with this. That God, he kind of works, but not that much. And Jesus knows this is ridiculous. And when he says, my father works hitherto, it's a jab at their traditional beliefs. Are y'all with me? And so what he says is, just like my father calls the sun to come up, just like my father gives you air to breathe, just like my father never slows down, neither is he weary, he, he works, therefore I do too. Now what, and see, we may not get that, but they got it. Because it was at that point that they knew he was claiming to be God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what was the message? What was the message in the miracle? Not just he can, he's a good healer. That wasn't, that wasn't the message because he's been healing people. Because Nicodemus came to him in chapter number 3 and says, Man, all these things that you're doing, all these miracles that you're doing, thousands and thousands and thousands of miracles, that wasn't the deal. It was strategic in the day that he did it. It was strategic in who he healed because he wanted to be able to stand on a platform and proclaim to the world, I am God. I'm God. His deity, his identity, he is God, the Son, the Son of God. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. In these next few in these next few verses, write this down. And then, and then I'll jump over here. In, and then the second one is this. His deity declared, and then B, his declaration defended. That's what we're going to finish up in the next 10 minutes, okay? But I want to give you something right down just for your own benefit. All right? But i got to say it fast. The clock's messed up again and it's going too fast. <clears throat> All right, Jesus claims to be equal to God in, in five things in this chapter. Okay, write this down. Five things. Jesus claims to be equal to God. Five things. All right. He claims to be equal to God in person. In person. His nature. Who he is. That's verses 17 and 18. His claim is equal to God in his works. That's verses 19 and 20. In works. He said, what you see me do is what my father does. What my father does, that's what I do. You, you with me? All right. He's equal to God in person, 17 and ver verses 17 and 18. Equal to God in works, verses 19 and 20. He's equal to God in power and sovereignty. Power and sovereignty. That's verse 21. Okay, verses, or number four. He's equal to God in judgment, verse 22. He's equal to God in judgment, verse 22. And this is the one that just, just chapter me. 
He's equal to God in honor. In honor. Verse 23. He's declaring to be God. Now, does everybody see that? Now, you can go home and read it on your own. Read those verses on your own and see this. Now, now, here's what I want, I want you to look at. Look in verse number 20. <clears throat> there's two things. There's basically in these next few verses, there's two things that he uses to defend his declaration. What was his declaration? I am, okay, he uses two things. Two things to defend. Now, you just can't claim something and not back it up. Y'all with me? And even Jesus said that. He said, if all you had was what I'm saying, you could call me a liar. It's not my word against yours, all right? So if you're going to declare deity, you're going to have to defend it. Wait, he did. That's, what's, that's what we're fixing to read. If that makes sense, say amen. If you're going to claim to be equal with God in judgment, if you're going to claim to be equal with God in power, if you're going to claim to be equal with God in person, if you're going to claim to be equal with God in, in, in uh, what did I say? Honor. What was the fifth one? In works. In the works, the things that you do. If you're going to claim that, you've got to defend that. And he does two things. Two things he uses and gives them to defend his declaration. The first thing, just write it down, and then we'll talk about them, okay? Just that way you can, you can pay attention and not have to worry about writing. Two things. Greater works. Look what he says in verse number, verse number 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him, everybody say it, he will show him greater works, greater works, all right? Greater works than these that ye may marvel. That ye may marvel, all right? So the first thing he uses to defend his declaration is greater works. Secondly, secondly, is greater witnesses. Greater witnesses. Look at that in verse 36. Verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. Greater witness, all right? He says in verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, if all you got is what I say, good. But I got more. So we're going to look at two things, greater works and greater witnesses. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay, what are the two greater works? Two things here, resurrection, resurrection and judgment. He says it here in verse number, <clears throat> verse number uh, 21. All right, 21 and 22 are the greater works that Jesus is talking about. In other words, he's saying, uh, you, you think turning water into wine something? You think, you think healing a crippled man has been, been crippled 38 years or something? You think, you, you, think and you know, all of this stuff. Well, you're going to see something greater than that. Wait till you see me raise the dead. And he begins to talk about the resurrection. There's coming a day. And in the next following verses, in the next following verses, he goes into detail talking about the resurrection. He says, there's coming a day. You think me saying take up your bed and walk to something? There's coming a day that when the dead hear my voice, they're going to rise again. And the only way that can happen is if I am, whoo, say man. Greater works. 
Greater works than feeding 5,000. Greater works than walking on water. Greater works than, listen, healing a blind man, healing a lame man. Greater works than these you're going to see. They're going to hear my voice and the dead in the ground are going to come back to get, say amen. You know why I can do that? Because I am. Church, say amen. Listen, not only the resurrection, that's one greater work, but then judgment. 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 Listen, you can either know him as your pardon, or you will know him as your judge. You know what Jesus is saying? All judgment has been given to me. And I judge righteous judgment. And the reason I'm going to be standing or sitting on the throne pronouncing judgment is because I am God. Y'all with me? And in the next few verses, next three or four verses, go into detail about these two things, resurrection and judgment. He says, that's all up to me. It's in God's power to do that. It's in my power to do that. The only way I could do that is if I was truly and really God. Y'all with me? Okay. Isn't this thing getting bigger? And we thought it was about just some crippled dude needed to get up. It's amazing when you start digging into your Bible and realize Jesus had a whole lot bigger plan than just this man walking again. Amen? So, that's the greater works. Let's look at the greater witnesses. This really gets cool. Look what he says in verse, verse 31. <clears throat> now, if you understand the greater works, say amen. amen. Okay, he's defending his declaration of deity, that he is God, by saying you're going to see something even bigger than this. But then he says, listen, don't take... Here's basically what verse, 30, uh, verse 31 is, is don't take my word for it. I mean, he doesn't literally say that, but that's the implication. He says, don't just take what I'm saying. There's even more. Look what he says. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that that witness, that the witness which he witnesses me is true. Ye sent unto John. You remember when they sent their servants? You remember that when they sent their representatives, when John was on the riverbank and he was having his revival service and he was baptizing people in the River Jordan, and they sent their servants and said, are you him? Y'all remember? And you know what John said? "Uh Uh-uh, I'm not him. I'm not him. He says, I'm baptizing with water. He said, but let me tell you something. There's one coming after me whose shoe latched. I'm not even worthy to latch. He said, he's going to come. He's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In other words, Holy Ghost saved people. Fire lost people. Don't let charismatics tell you that's talking about the Holy Spirit, that fire is the Holy That's not what he's saying. That's judgment. He said, and, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking down the riverbank. And he stops the whole revival service. And he says, behold, behold, this is the one I've been talking about. Behold, this is the one I've been preparing the way for. Behold, the one who called me out in the wilderness and sent me to preach and make straight way. This is him. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He says, as a matter of fact, 
John Baptist. As a matter of fact, the guy, listen, the training I received out in the wilderness, God himself told him, when you see the Spirit descend as a dove and light upon him, that's him. And John said, not only did the Spirit descend as a dove and light upon him, but we heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. You know what he's saying? You got so much confidence in John, and they did. They loved John. They was all about John. Y'all with me? They considered John a prophet. He said, you don't believe me? Why don't you believe him? Because he testified of me. Y'all with me? He said, not only that. Look what he said. He said, watch this. You sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season. Watch this now. To rejoice in his light. You was all about John. Watch. But I have. Come on, everybody. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father had given me to finish, the same works that I do. What do they do? They bear. They bear of me that the Father has sent me. Who else can turn water into wine? Who else can look and see that a man's been laying 38 years? Not only has been the man laying 38 years, get up and take your bed and go. He said, the things, the actual things and deeds that I do is even more of a powerful witness than what John said. Listen, it was this powerful. It was powerful enough to cause one of their religious leaders who was not just a leader, he was a main leader. Study it out. Nicodemus. He said, man, you got to be of God. Nobody can do these things. You know what, you know what that's saying? You know what that's saying? It's testifying of who Jesus is. A normal man can't do this stuff unless he's truly God. Amen? Okay, what is, his, what is his greater witnesses? John the Baptist, his miracles. B, his miracles. John Baptist in verse 32 through 35, his miracles in verse 36. Watch what he says now. He just goes straight to the top. And the Father... Come on, everybody. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. The Father himself said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then, then it says this, not only, not only John Baptist, not only his own works, the miracles, not only God the Father himself, but then also, lastly, and, and you, say, you say, why is this probably more important? Because it's what you've got. Search the scriptures. 
search the scriptures. Why? Because they testify of me. You may not have John Baptist, and you may not see a sure enough water into wine miracle, and you may not audibly hear God's voice from heaven, but you got the scriptures. Look at me for just a minute. Oh, we're out of time. But look at me anyway. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Shh. He said, you're so confident in Moses. You're so confident in Moses. And Moses wrote about me. He said, my father, I'm not going to accuse you to my father. I'm not going to have to. Because Moses is going to stand up. I'm not going to have to do it. You know what basically he's saying? Let's do it. If this was an Alabama term, he would say, he would say, Moses is going to stand up and say, you bunch of dummies. I wrote of him. He said, but you know what? You, you don't have the love of God in you. And the reason they didn't have the love of God in them is because they didn't have the word of God in them. You can superficially know some verses, but guess what? You're going. <laughs> it don't. It don't mean anything till you know who wrote them. Anyway, it wasn't. It wasn't about thirty-eight years. It, it wasn't about a cripple guy. The most powerful thing about this chapter is not. A healing of a crippled man. It was the setting of the stage to proclaim a great message. And that is, I am God. You say, what does that have to do with Calvary? At that point, they decided to kill him. You remember when they were interrogating him? Remember they were interrogating him? Look this way, look this way. Remember they were interrogating him and right before his crucifixion? And they said, what need we of any more witnesses? Listen to the blasphemy. He's made himself God. And guess what? They sent him to the cross. Now watch. Now I gotta tell you this. In that situation, the devil was yes. In that situation, the, the scribes and the Pharisees was yes. They thought they were controlling the deal. But behind the scenes. God was saying, yes. Man, I got chill bumps on my arm right now. Listen, listen, listen. Calvary was our salvation. And God is so sovereign and so powerful that he can make the devil do his work. And they all 
thought that they had finally got Jesus and Jesus was orchestrating the whole thing. Can you give him praise and glory? Amen. It's hard to go home on that right there now, I'm going to tell you. Amen. Well, let's pray. We got to. Lord, thank you 